Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. We have a special edition today. This is our Price is Right edition of the podcast, inflation style. So the Price is Right, you guys, the it's, it's iconic, right? It's the most famous game show of all time. Iconic phrases, iconic games, iconic host. Well, today we're going to look at it from a retirement perspective. So here I go. I'm calling in my contestants. Rochelle Smith, come on down. Ah. Rochelle Smith is the producer of this podcast. And our next contestant on The Price is Right is Lauren Merkel. Lauren Merkel, come on down. You are the next contestant on The Price is Right. As Lauren is running down, they would also say Lauren is a certified financial planner, a certified financial fiduciary, and a retirement income certified professional. So they do a lot of pricing on The Price is Right. When The Price is Right started in the early 1960s, a loaf of bread was just 18 cents. We know today you can barely even get a slice of bread for 18 cents. Lauren, that is, of course, a phenomenon known as inflation. And it's something a lot of pre-retirees and retirees are worried about. It is because, and that's why we call it the silent assassin, because it's not, it's not a risk like the market risk. Market risk, everybody's familiar with. The portfolio goes down by 30%. Your portfolio was eroded by 30%, which means your purchasing power may also be eroded because you don't have as many resources left. But it's not as explicit of a risk as something like market or even tax risk because it's something that creeps into our portfolio over time. And sooner or later, 10 years down the road, you wake up and you realize that this loaf of bread costs you substantially more than what it did 10 years or 15 years prior. And that's what erodes the purchasing power, your spending power, much into retirement. Most, most retirees want to spend or think about spending at least 20 years into retirement. So this silent assassin inflation is going to have an impact on your portfolio. It's going to impact, have an impact on your spendable income, and it could have an impact on your overall retirement experience if we do not account for it within the plan. Yeah, and our first pricing game will help illustrate inflation and, and how you know it can erode your spending power. So let's take something, again, kind of iconic, a box of Girl Scout cookies. A box of Girl Scout cookies today is $5. Now let's go back 30 years for the pricing game because some people will live in retirement 30 years. So they have to think about, you know, how to spend for the next 30 years. So box of Girl Scout cookies, $5 30 years ago. What do you guys think they cost? Rochelle. Oh, uh, $1.98. I'm <laughs> Oh, go ahead. I'm going to say $2.10. $2.10. I almost gave it away. <laughs> $2. So obviously, ah. went hey, from two to five. Close. Okay, gallon of milk. Today, a gallon of milk, $3.63. In 1991, which was 30 years ago, what did a gallon of milk cost? Uh, $1.15. $1.50. $2.80. And a dozen eggs. Today, a dozen eggs, $1.71. 30 years ago, what could you get a dozen eggs for? $0.73. Cents. Dollar. <laughs> and the winner of our pricing game is actual retail price. I'm just trying to think of some catchphrases. I'll just throw them all together. They don't have to, you know, make sense. 71 cents. So clearly those dem those prices and how they've changed demonstrate inflation. And also kind of an interesting side note, the inflationary rate of those products is a little bit different. But the one that most closely mirrors sort of general inflation, Lauren, are the Girl Scout cookies. About 2.5% is the inflation rate on those over the last 30 years. And is that the, the kind of assumptions you make when you're helping people put together a retirement plan? 
we use a customized number based on a lot of different factors that are involved in their overall retirement. What kind of resources do they have available to them for their retirement? Uh, some resources like uh, some pensions. Some pensions have a cost of living adjustment within it. That cost of living adjustment is going to mirror what they get on Social Security because everybody who has Social Security does have a cost of living adjustment embedded within that as well. But then also, what does their lifestyle plan look like? Do they want to really take advantage of these go-go years in retirement where they have this extra time and energy that they want to travel the world or do all these activities that's going to require a bigger spending amount than if they just wanted to kind of ease into retirement and not have their activity uh, light activity plan change all that much. So their spend requirement is not going to be all that much. So there's a lot of factors that go into what do we use from an inflation assumption number. Uh, but it, there's, it's like any of the planning elements. Nothing is, is a cookie cutter. Nothing's across the board. What do Mr. and Mrs. Jones want their retirement to look like? And then what's the appropriate inflation assumption to use for them? But I can tell you, regardless of what number we use for Mr. and Mrs. Jones, when they retire, it is going to be updated because nobody knows exactly what this inflation number is going to look like five years from now, let alone 20 or 30 years from now. And that's part of the, the necessity of updating the plan as we go. Because we can see year by year, what is it going to cost them to live in the year 2022? What is it going to cost them to live in the year 2023 as we approach 2023? And so through the constant updating of the plan, we can get a really realistic number of what it's going to take for them to live the lifestyle that they want to. And then how does that impact them long term? Are they still going to have enough? So in the year 2025, if they no longer need $5,000 a month for their lifestyle plan, they need $6,000 a month for their lifestyle plan based on the resources they have left, does that still work? And it's that kind of information along the way that really helps people identify, are they on track with their plan? Yeah. And you talk about reassessing where you're at uh, with your plan. And that's a good point because we know that inflation rates change. So numbers came out in May of 2021. Uh, there was a five-year annual inflation rate. Uh, that was one of the highest in 13 years. But if you're listening right now and you're a pre-retiree and retiree, you're like, that's nothing. We remember the 80s, uh, what was the early 80s when inflation was as high as 13%. And that's why I, I appreciate what we're doing here today with this game. I mean, it's kind of fluffy. It's kind of fun, right? It's a little different than what we usually do with the podcast. But what I really like about it is it gives us an opportunity to reflect back because we do remember the 80s. A lot of people remember the 80s, but, but sometimes we need our memory spurred to really... I mean, you remember the 80s, there was high inflation, but do you remember in the 80s what it cost you for a gallon of gas? Some people do, some people don't. Do you remember in the 80s what it cost you for a carton of eggs, right? And you look at this kind of information, did it really cost us $2 a gallon for for milk? And what, what did you say it was right now? Uh, right now it's three sixty three. In nineteen ninety one, it was two eighty. Two eighty, and then eighteen cents for a loaf of bread. I mean, and, and see how the prices change. In the perspective that I think is important in in this exercise is twenty years from now we're going to go through this same phenomena, right? So it, reflecting back to see what these prices were then versus what they are now really helps us helps us pinpoint or, or frame this silent assassin, uh, the inflation and the risk that is embedded within the, the future of our retirement. Well, it's so funny, Lauren, that you should mention, you know, the future because I did a little exercise. I took the rate of inflation that those three uh, goods that we talked about experienced. So the rates were different on each of these goods. So we had the Girl Scout cookies, we have a gallon of milk and we have eggs. They don't, they, the last 30 years, they didn't experience the same rate of inflation. So I did the math. 
um, I had a help. I had some help <laughs> and I did the math. And in 30 years, if they experienced the same rate of inflation in 2051, so, so that's 30 years from now. So again, if you're getting ready to retire, you may be retired for 30 years. What will these goods cost? So now that is the next pricing game on this version of The Price is Right. So we have the Girl Scout cookies, $5 today. In 2051, with the same rate of inflation, what would that box of Girl Scout cookies cost? Uh, $9.63. $8.54. $12.50 for a box of Girl Scout cookies. And probably in 1991, someone was going, I can't imagine paying $5 for a box of Girl Scout cookies. Right. So we have to think about them being $12.50 potentially in, in 2051. Mm -hmm. That gallon of milk today, $3.63. In 2051, what will it cost? Uh, $5.73. $5.89. $4.71. So milk experiences a little bit different rate of inflation than uh, Girl Scout cookies, which... Again, the Girl Scout cookies most closely mirror the general rate of inflation. A dozen eggs today, $1.71, 2051. What will they cost? $2.53. $3.03. Oh, Merkel went over. $2.96. So that... Hold on. I think that tells us that we should never go on the prices. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> what we just went through that right there. Yeah, it's nice to see what the price of goods will cost 20, 30 years from now. But it also tells me I should never go on the prices. Right <laughs> you talked about Social Security and inflation, Lauren. Social Security recipients will experience the largest cost of living adjustment in nearly 40 years in the beginning of 2022, 5.9%. But if you think about Social Security as the backbone of a lot of people's retirement, there were three years, Social Security got no cost of living adjustments. Uh, what they've averaged, it's averaged about 3.5% since its, its inception. So again, you're thinking about this 30 year retirement and in, in income, Social Security isn't necessarily gonna mirror my needs as I go through retirement. It's really not. I mean, it is the backbone of many people's retirement. It could represent anywhere between 25 to 35% plus of one's retirement income. But that, that COLA adjustment, the cost of living adjustment with Social Security is really nice. But in some ways, it's misleading because directly tied to that same COLA number is your cost for Medicare. Your income increases from Social Security, but also your cost of Medicare increases at the same rate or very similar rate. So it really eats into whatever real true cost of living adjustment you're going to get from Social Security. That's why we cannot rely upon those cost of living adjustments alone, whether you get a cost of living adjustment with your pension or you have Social Security, you're getting cost of living adjustment with Social Security because it's just not going to get it done. Uh, and it's not going to account for the increase of the cost of the Girl Scout cookies. So I'm hearing $12.50 for a box of cookies. I'm thinking about gas prices going up, housing prices going up, healthcare, that that goes up higher than the, the rate of inflation. I'm getting ready to retire. I'm thinking about retiring. Should I should I be in despair, Lauren? Or, or please tell me there is uh, some good news when it comes to, to all of this. Well, there is some great news. I mean, all those items you listed outside the Girl Scout cookies are fixed expenses. So the, the Girl Scout cookies would be a part of the discretionary expenses. The fixed expenses we have to have um, and when you threw out the, the dollar amount, $12, immediately for Girl Scout cookies, immediately what I did is I went back in time to the movie costs, the movie tickets. So I remember going to the movies way back when. It was like 6 $8. 
And then I do remember yeah. it jumping up to twelve dollars. I don't even know what it, it's at right now. I just bought movie tickets last night, and for oh, I think it's XD, they were thirteen dollars a piece. Okay, yeah. so thirteen dollars a piece. You go with somebody else, it's twenty six dollars. You try to take your kids, and that doesn't even include the snacks. Right. I mean, the the good news there is that's all discretionary. You don't have to go to the movies and spend that money, but the fuel. And the the housing expenses, all that stuff is spit, fixed costs that you have to have. So how you how you get around that throughout the course of your retirement, or you feel better about your retirement prospects, is you build your plan and you say, here's the fixed expenses that you have to have every single month or every single year. And then here's what we anticipate them increasing like over the next five years. And we do this long-term, but more immediately, it's important to do it short-term because again, long-term we have, we have a general direction of where things are going to go, but we know it's going to change. So if you want to look at what the first five years of retirement is going to look like from a cost standpoint, let's, let's pinpoint the fixed expenses. This is what we have to have. And then let's account for it. Let's account for it through the investment plan. Let's account for it through the income plan. So you know, regardless of what happens with this crazy market, which nobody can control, regardless of this market, we're in a recession and the market's down by 40% or the market's up by 40%, you are going to cover your fixed costs. So you're not going to have to worry about the the uh, the the heat going out or you're not being able to afford the phone or any of that stuff, you know that stuff is covered every single month. And then within the investment and the income plan, we can account for this discretionary stuff. And this is this is more that lifestyle plan, right? How are you going to afford the trips? How are you going to afford the movies? How are you going to afford the, the to support the Girl Scouts when the Girl Scouts come knocking on your door asking you to buy cookies? How are you going to be able to afford all this other kind of stuff that you don't necessarily have to? But this is what makes retirement fun. And now that you have all this free time, you're going to want to have a lot of fun. So when you see how this works within your plan, then you can identify, do you need to take steps to improve what it is that you see? Or you can take solace in the fact you're doing just fine. You're doing just fine. And now this anxiety kind of washes away knowing you're going to be able to keep the heat on. You're going to be able to just continue to eat and you're going to eat well. And you can continue to engage in the lifestyle plan that you had planned on as well. And that's all based on taking the factors of your situation, applying it in a written format to your plan. And then that's going to help you make that transition to go to and then through retirement. So we talk about how inflation rates can change. Another rate that that changes and can affect retirement is interest rates. It's hard to have a conversation about inflation without bringing in interest rates and vice versa. Interest rates talk about inflation because there is a light correlation between what interest rates are doing and what inflation is doing. And and Molly, you brought up the eighties. I mean, when people think about the eighties, they're thinking about inflation, but they're also the next thought is the interest rates that they were paying on their house. You know, a lot of times in these educational workshops, I'll, uh, I'll ask people, I'll say, what, what was the highest interest rate that you've ever paid? And then what year was it that you remember paying then? And immediately they'll go to the late seventies and then the early eighties, and they're going to shout out numbers or they do shout out numbers like 12%. And this is fun because wow. you get a room full of 30 people yeah. and they just feed off of each other. So sure. somebody says 12%, then somebody else wants to best them. They're like, well, I paid 13. And somebody else is like, wait a minute. I got everybody. I, I paid 17%. Oh my goodness. And back in 1979. Right. So that that's what people think about. They think about inflation. They think about interest rates, and there is a light correlation between the two. One of the questions I get quite a bit is, 
when are interest rates going to increase right now? Because interest rates have been near record lows for for almost a decade. So with inflation increasing, are interest rates going to increase? And the reason people, the reason our families, the families that we work with are concerned about that is because of what they're getting with their bank money from our interest rate standpoint, right? The money at your bank, you're getting close to zero, maybe half, half a percent if you're lucky. So people have been waiting for that dynamic to change now for a decade because they want safe money. They want safe, predictable, guaranteed money but they also want to return from it and they just haven't been able to get it. So are interest rates going to increase? Well, they very well may. The Fed wants them to increase, but if the Fed increases interest rates, then that is going to increase the debt service that we have on our debt. And never before in this country have we had so much debt. We have $28 trillion in debt. So when we increase interest rates, that means our debt service, the amount of interest we pay on that debt increases substantially and our deficit has never been higher either. So there is a, there is a, the Fed wants to increase interest rates because they want more control because if they can increase them, that means they can also decrease them if we get in some, into some economic pressures. Uh, but they, there's pressure from Congress not to increase them because that really limits what we can do from a spending standpoint because of the debt service. Okay, so you're telling me my savings account's going to get 0.05%. Money market accounts would not get much there either, right? No. In fact, a lot of money mar- market accounts are getting even less, maybe one-tenth of 1% or even less. And uh, CDs, even a five-year CD, what, 03 yeah, national, national average uh, is probably a little bit higher than that. You you might, on a five-year CD, might creep over 1%, but but it's not much. But it's still, it's not what pre-retirees and retirees want for that that safe money. It's not an, it's not enough. So so you sit down, you talk about this dilemma of these interest rates, and then, of course, you talk about some other solutions. What are they? It is a dilemma, and that's why Marty Ruby calls it the saver's dilemma, because it is a real dilemma. People want a return off of guaranteed money. They just can't get it. So they, they have been forced now for a, a very long period of time to earn any kind of growth at all to go into the at-risk market. So now we're talking about bonds, and we're talking really about, about equity risk. But as you think about where retirees, pre-retirees and retirees are at in their life, they don't want all of their portfolio wrapped up in at-risk investments. But they realize any of the money that they keep at the bank, they're safely losing. Because we already talked about inflation. Uh, this year, it's about five point over 5% in, in increase. But if you're getting a half a percent or less at the bank, well, you lost maybe 5% on your purchasing power of that money. So you're safely losing money. That doesn't even include the taxation because any of the interest that you do earn off the bank products, you have to pay taxes on in that year as well. So you're losing money against taxation. You're losing money against inflation. That is the saver's dilemma. How do you get more return for your safe money? Uh, we'd had Marty Ruby in town talking about that exact thing. Marty Ruby has coined that term, that sa- saver's dilemma. That's not ours. That's his. And what he was talking about are some different solutions that you can use now that are present, that you have t- uh, the ability to take advantage of, that you really haven't had that ability over the last decade. So there's some new ideas, new solutions that you can use to help combat that saver's dilemma where you can really now achieve the three things that you're trying to achieve with this type of money. So when, you, when you're talking about your safe money, historically, what you're, trying to, what you're trying to accomplish is you want guarantees. You want to be guaranteed against loss of principal. You want a decent return and you want liquidity. 
Those are the three things you're looking for. Over the last decade, you've had to give up one of those. You've had to give up one of those three. You couldn't get all three. So if you wanted safety, then you had to give up either liquidity or return. So let's think about your savings account. Your savings account, 100% liquid, take it out anytime you want to. It's FDIC insured. It's guaranteed. But you give up the return. You're not getting a return on your savings account. Uh, If you want to give up instead of return, if you want more return, you're willing to give up liquidity. Well, you can lock it up into something longer and you can get a higher return than what you can for your savings account. 2004, 2005, 2006, I remember I could get a 6% yield on just a liquid savings account. Right. And those are the times that most people, most pre-retirees and retirees are familiar with because that's where they grew up. You could get 6% in the 80s. You can get 10, 12, 14% on liquid savings. That's the world of guaranteed money. It just hasn't existed. Well, right now, and this is what Ruby was talking about, Marty Ruby, is now you can get the three. You can get the three back. And that's the solution that we're going to talk about now. Marty Ruby is an author and a nationally recognized speaker. And we recently partnered with him for our TV show. After you're done listening to this podcast, go to YouTube, check out Merkle Retirement Planning. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retirement Planning. And you can see our television show with Marty Ruby. He'll talk about his new book, The New Holistic Retirement. So solutions, I like it. Because we, you know, we kind of been talking about the negative, the things you can't get, the, the, the inflation, the interest rates. Solutions, I like it, Lauren. What are they? Well, let's talk about this solution. I'm not going to tell you what this is until we talk about the the benefits of the solution, okay? So here here's the qualities of the solution that we are really looking for. One is it has all three of those those characteristics that we're looking for. It's safe. It's guaranteed. So the market goes down, you get a 0% rate of return, you're happy, you didn't lose anything. Market goes up, then you get a piece of the up. Okay, so it's guaranteed principal protected. It is liquid. You can get your money out anytime you want to. So you invest $100,000, two days later down the road, you say, whoops, I need that $100,000, take it out. There's no penalties on that, Uh, which is also a little bit better than CDs from that standpoint, because you put your your money into a 12-month CD, three months into it, you want it back, you're going to have an interest penalty on most CDs. So with this, put $100,000 in, Three days, three months, three years, you take that 100000 plus any of the growth that you receive on that money, 100% of that is yours. Um, so you have, the, you have the guarantee, you have the liquidity, and then you have the power of indexing from a return standpoint. And the power of indexing comes in the format of you use an index that's been created by these different companies. And the index tells you, one number one is the index says you're not going to lose money because market goes down, you get a zero. You don't lose, you don't win. Market goes up, then you participate in some of that up. So as an example, the S&P 500 is an index. Most people are familiar with that index. So your return is tied to the index. If you're invested in the S&P 500 index uh, as far as a mutual fund, right? You get 100% of what that mutual fund receives. In this product, you don't get 100%. It is capped. So as an example, uh, this particular product we're talking about is capped at 11%. So if the S&P, this S&P 500 index goes up by 15%, you get the 11%, not the 15%. But that's okay because the, ca- the cap you're most in- 
you're most concerned about is the downside cap because right. if the market is down by 15, you, you don't lose. You don't get the, the negative 15, you get the zero. So you're capped on the downside, and because of that, you're also capped on the upside. But l- let me ask you th- this question. <clears throat> so if we're just thinking about the S&P 500, right, the stock exchange, over we, we've gone through now from 2009 to 2021, one of the most bullish times in market history. But if we go all the way back to 2000, so we look up over the last 20, 20 years, what has the average of the S&P 5, what average has the S&P 500 had? If we go all the way back to the 30s, it's roughly about 10%. But including one of the, the most bullish markets we've had over the last 20 years, it's only averaged 6.3%. That's lower, I think, than I would have thought because I couldn't remember like days when it was up 30 but also, I guess there were days when it was down 30, so. Especially 2020. Yeah, yeah, I just remember uh, 2020, how volatile but, it was. But even 2020 was a good year in the market. So if we look from dis, uh, January 1st of 2020 to December 31st, 2020, it was up double digits. So even though March and April were just horrendous from a volatility and negative downside standpoint, it ended up okay. But even with one of the best bull markets that we've ever had, is still only averaged 6.3%. Well, this index that eliminates the downside. So if you were invested in this index in March, you didn't lose anything. And on this money, you didn't really care what was happening with all the downside pressure of the markets because you you weren't you knew this you this money of yours was not gonna be negatively impacted. Over that same time frame, this index averaged six point six percent. So take Which is way more than the CDs, the all the other the things that you've been talking about, the bank, all that. So taking yeah, so taking zero risk zero market risk, you averaged more return than taking having 100% of your money in the S&P 500 over that 20-year time frame. Now, that's not how every 20-year time frame is going to work, and there's no guarantees going forward you're going to perform better than the S&P 500, but that's not your goal. Remember, your goal is to take safe money and get a better return than what we can get at the banks. So with this, with this solution, it gives you upside potential without any of the downside risk and it gives you the liquidity that is so has been so elusive on safe money for the last decade. I like it, Rochelle. I like it too. I, I like the solution. Okay, drum roll. What is it? It's life insurance. What? It's life insurance. Life insurance. It's, Interesting. It's, it's called indexed universal life insurance. So the index part of it is just as I explained with the index investment. That's how your money grows is through the indexing. The universal just means that you have flexibility and you can change it. And life insurance means there's a death benefit component to it. So specifically, the way that this product works is, is you get a guaranteed return of 2.5%. So even if the index goes down or even if the market goes down by 15, you get you would otherwise get a 0% rate of return. This one, the floor is 2.5%. So you know you're at least getting 2.5%. But what's the dis- main disadvantage of life insurance? When you think about buying life insurance, what do you think about? Uh, I think about underwriting. The underwriting, that is a disadvantage. Um, but from an investment standpoint. Oh, no. Term? It has a term to it? 
when you think about buying life insurance, it's expensive. There's <laughs> the, a premium the cost. There's a premium. Yes. And, 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 We're and, getting there. Yes. And most people think life insurance is expensive and it can be, it really can be. This is a, a new type of life insurance. Index universal life insurance has been around for about 15 years, but this particular product here is much newer. In fact, this product has only been offered for the last three, four, uh, five months. The cost on this is somewhere about uh, around 1.8%. So if you're guaranteed 2.5% as a floor, the cost is 1.8. Your true guaranteed net return is about 0.7%. So again, if we're trying to beat the banks, have liquidity, and be safe, that beat most bank products right there, the 0.7%. But then you also have the, the opportunity of the upside of the index. So if you know you're going to get at least 0.7, which beats or meets the banks, plus you have the upside of it, and you have probably even more liquidity than a lot of bank products, this can work really well for that type of money. And then, oh, by the way, it's life insurance. So if something happens and you pass away, then there's a tax-free death benefit that goes to your beneficiaries. Something happens, you pass away through money, money at the bank, they will get that money tax-free but it's the exact amount of money that you had going into it. With this, let's say you put 100000 into it. Maybe your, your tax-free debt benefit is 150000 because, again, it's life insurance. But with something like this that so, so many people have been waiting for for so long, I thought it was, it was nice to bring up as a part of that saver's dilemma, right? You, you're looking for safe money. You're looking for a return and liquidity. It checks all the boxes. Now, it's not right for everybody, and you don't want to put all your money into it, but this is money that is cash is for your cash on the sidelines. You're looking, you don't need it for emergency funds. You would like it to perform a little bit better at the banks and you don't necessarily need it within a, a couple years time frame. But because it's liquid, if something comes up and you do need to get it, it's there for free to take. So it's a really interesting concept, not right for everybody. So you're probably wondering, is it right for me? Here's a great opportunity, a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. You can schedule yours right now by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. Right at the top, there's a calendar. You can click on it. You can get on the calendars of the retirement planners here at Merkle Retirement Planning and talk about if this is right for you. Okay, you guys ready for one more pricing game? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, let's pretend you've already spun the wheel, the big giant wheel. You made it to the showcase. You're in the showcase. Here's what's in your showcase. A trip, of course. We knew that, yeah. The Bahamas, four nights, five take, days. Take it. Let's do it. 2021 Chevy Equinox mm. and a Schwinn hybrid bike. I'm going to give you the price today. Because this is the inflation edition, mm. you have to guess the price in 20 years. What will these items cost in 20 years? Today, the total of those three items is $27,000. In 20 years, assuming a 2.5% rate of inflation, no calculators, and you get 10 seconds. What's your guess? Lauren? $49,560. I've written down your guess. Rochelle? Um, I feel like we should go with my first one. <laughs> um, it is 49800 Whoa. Wow. Come on, ah. Guess what happens, though? Can't two, go over. two beeps. You both went over. Oh, $45,439 in 2041. So, you know what? Thank That's you for playing. Riding my Schwinn on, in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing our prices ga pricing game. We're so happy to have you on The Price is Right. And remember to have your pet spayed or neutered. <laughs>
Actually, remember to subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend about it and tune in next time because we'll continue talking about all the parts of your retirement vision. On this podcast, it's retiring today and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.